Mark chapter 1. We will finish Mark chapter 1 as we work our way through the entire gospel of Mark. Mark 1 is where we'll be. If you'd like to, uh, you can also put a piece of your bulletin in Leviticus chapter 14. Leviticus, that's in the Old Testament part of uh, the law of Moses, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, 14th chapter is where we'll, we may reference, we'll see. Um, So uh, you've got Bibles marked, right? Mark chapter 1, Leviticus chapter 14, 13 and 14 really is where we'll be, but as long as you're close, you can get there quickly. So let's pray. Father, here we are again. We, um, sitting in your presence, Lord. Sometimes we forget we're not just in church, but we're in your presence as we are all day long, every day. That your presence any, isn't any more here uh, in our lives than it is on the other side of these walls. That your presence isn't any more here than when we're at work. But Father, we know uh, that sometimes what we say with our lips and what's in our heart, they don't match. And so, Lord, we pray that, that you would bring what's inside up to speed, Lord, with, with your will. Up to speed with what we say on the outside, what we sing when we're here. And um, what a friend we have in Jesus. And how much trouble because we don't come to you in, in prayer. Lord, as we study your word, open our eyes. We want to see your greatness. We want to see your awesome power. We want to experience and acknowledge all these things are true not just with our heads and our mouths, Lord, but with our hearts and the deepest parts of us to believe in you by faith and to see the results in our lives, the fruit of a life, a spirit-filled life, a life lived by faith and not by sight. Lord, your word also tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Lord, speak to us. We want to hear so our faith can continue to grow. It's in Jesus' name all God's people said. Amen. Uh, Mark chapter 1, again, the last part of the first chapter of Mark, we are going to look at an account, and again, I don't use the word story because it sounds mythical, so I call these accounts, they're historical accounts. Uh, Mark shares with us, uh, based again on the testimony of his father in the faith in some ways, uh, Peter, the apostle shares an account of the cleansing of a leper. So let's just read it through. It's only a few verses, I think five verses. So we'll read it through, and then we'll take a look at it and what it has to do with us. Mark chapter 1, verse 40 says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he, was strictly warned him, he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. So we've seen, uh, we we walked with Jesus through a day in his life last Sunday. It starts out in the synagogue. Uh, There's a man there with an unclean spirit. Uh, You know, this clandestine meeting, this providential meeting between Jesus and this man who had an unclean spirit, uh, who had a demonic 
issue in his life. Um, then we see Jesus going to Peter's uh, house for lunch. His mother-in-law is sick, so he goes to her. And then all people, a lot of people are coming to him for healing. Uh, and in, now we see this leper also coming to Jesus. A leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you're willing, make me clean. So as I drive around, you know, I, th- I think about these things all week as I'm kind of preparing for Sunday, just meditating on, on God's word. And I'm driving around going, so what? Right? So what does it matter? I mean, we've got all these things going on. So what? Jesus healed a leper. Big deal. I mean, there's not even, you know, I don't know, I don't know any lepers. In, you, you know any leper? I don't know anybody who's a leper. Uh, you know, again, Old Testament, the word leprosy was sort of a general term for a variety, a potential variety of skin diseases, one of which certainly would be what we know as Hansen's disease, which, from what I understand, hundreds of thousands of cases around the world. Nowadays, it is curable through a medical treatment, through drug therapy. Uh, but in Jesus' day, no way. Not curable. So when we read about the leper, I go, so, well, you know, so what? Big deal. And, and that may not be a big deal to you. Maybe it's not a big deal to you that Jesus cleansed the leper, unless you're a leper. And then it's a really big deal, isn't it? Now the question is, so you know, maybe you're not a leper physically. Maybe there's some other things that we can learn from this. But for this guy, we don't even know his name. Luke tells us he was full of leprosy. So the disease in him was well advanced. So he probably wasn't a young kid. Probably someone who was older. Maybe he had a family at one time. Or he still does have a family. But because of his leprosy, He's been, he's been an outcast, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So leprosy, our day, Hansen's disease. Uh, in Old Testament times, again, you can read Leviticus chapter 13 if you're looking, you know, if you can't sleep at night and you're looking for a way to get to sleep. Read Leviticus 13. It's very interesting. You know, they didn't have doctors in, in the nation of Israel in those days. You didn't go to the doctor if you had leprosy. You went to the priest. And, and you read through Leviticus 13, and the words you see are examine, pronounce, examine, pronounce, isolate, examine, pronounce, isolate. So if you had a skin issue, then you'd go to the priest, and the priest would examine you, and then would sort of then isolate you for a time, and then re-examine you, and see if it was progressive or not, if it was contagious or not. And if it was found to be leprosy, if it was found to be contagious or dangerous or, or fit the criteria, then you were isolated. And I'll read that to you. Uh, let me just read it to you. You have... Well, you have it marked, but don't go there just yet. Let me read this one part to you. Now, the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn, his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, some people get themselves into trouble by the things that they do, right? Some people, you know, this guy, he wasn't driving drunk. He wasn't engaged in, in premarital sexual acts. He, he wasn't shooting up with needles. He, you know, he, he wasn't doing any of that stuff. He, he caught it. It's contagious by droplets that come from the nose or the mouth. So interesting that even in the law of Moses, what's the, what, what's the, the, there's no cure, right? There's no cure. There's no, Leviticus is like the, or, or Leviticus 13 is sort of like the, um, the Mosaic school of dermatology. 
but, there, but without a cure. Like you go to the dermatologist now, he says, well, here's your problem and here's the issue and let me give you this cream or let me give you this medicine. But in Leviticus 13, there is no treatment offered. And that's sort of like the law, isn't it? The law can just diagnose you, pronounce you something unclean, unrighteous. But there's no, the priest just says, hey, you're sick. You need to be isolated. And part of that would be, then if someone had leprosy, you were isolated, you had to live outside the camp, so they would form leper colonies where, those, where they could be around each other, but you couldn't touch a leper. Because that would, unclean makes the clean unclean. And we know, we're addicted to hand sanitizer. We know that. We know, you talk to someone, you see someone who's sick, and as soon as you shake their hand, you're like running to the hand sanitizer. We carry it with us in our pocket, our purse, you know, wherever. We got it everywhere, because we know that uncleanness makes the clean unclean. And so this leper would have to, if a leper came down the street and you were walking down the same street, he would have to announce his presence there. And he would have to put his hand over his nose and mouth. But again, remember, it's transmitted by droplets. So interesting that even in the Law of Moses, it's recognized. So he puts his hand and, and, and cries out, unclean, unclean. And so everybody, oh man, leper, unclean, I'm getting out of the way. Right? We don't want to be anywhere near that. And you know... If you've ever been with someone or touched someone that has a skin issue going on, it kind of oops you out a little bit, doesn't it? It can. It can really say, like, well, maybe I'm going to get it. And so leprosy has huge, not just medical issues. For the leper today, it affects the, uh, the skin, uh, the, the nerves in the skin. So pieces of lepers don't fall off, but they, they can't feel their skin. So they hurt themselves. Continually, and so it causes damage, and it causes damage to the nose, the extremities, as well as to the mucous membranes. They end up blind, uh, things like that. So, so they look deformed and disfigured, and they're just social outcasts. And so nobody wants to touch them. Nobody wants to be near them. If you did touch one, you'd be unclean. And so a huge stigma surrounding that, and, and you'd be sort of this, this outcast. What a life-changing thing that he never asked for, this guy, this leper whose name we don't know, whose family we know nothing about, he never asked for it. It's not something he did, something that, that happened to him and now has changed his life, uh, again, probably for a very, very long time. The leper came to Jesus. That was bold right there, right? Just to come to Jesus, uh, you know, his life is full of rejection. His life is full of isolation, I mean, I can't, it's hard for us even to imagine living that life unless you've, you've seen um, people that have lived like that. If, you, if you're interested and you'd like to watch stuff on Netflix, there's a documentary about a guy called, named Father Damien. Yeah, if you'd like to write that down, you can look at it. It's well worth watching. He lived with a leper colony in Hawaii, ended up dying of leprosy himself. He got the disease that the very people he was ministering to had and died in service to them. Powerful to think about giving your life to serve lepers. But this leper, this unnamed man with leprosy, came to Jesus. And look at the posture he comes with. He comes imploring him. That's basically begging him for help. Kneeling down to him, basically falling to his knees and saying to him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I mean, this guy has nothing to lose, right? That's why so many people don't. He doesn't, he doesn't, it's not about going to synagogue. It's not about going to church. He is coming to him. 
That's exactly what Peter said in, in, I believe it's in 1 Peter, coming to him as to a living stone. It's not just enough to sit in church and go through the motions. You've got to humble yourself and come to Jesus personally. You can strip away all the rest, because all the rest doesn't matter if you've not come to Jesus personally. If you've not knelt before him in your hopeless situation and recognized your hopeless situation. Because, you know, leprosy is in some ways a picture of sin. It's, it's not something you contracted yourself. You inherited it. You know that you inherited it from Adam, the first man who sinned. You inherited it from him. And then we, we get all the symptoms of it. It desensitizes us. It isolates us. Sin does all those things. So you might be saying, well, what does this have to do, you know, uh, I'm, what, does this, what does this leper have to do with me? Well, it's the same thing as, that sin does. Isolates, separates, desensitizes, destroys. You know, there's a lot of, mo- there are some more modern day lepers. Let me, let, me, let me just challenge you with a couple things. This is an article I just read, part of which uh, is from the Crime Report. It's a uh, website on criminal justice resources. This woman is speaking about the, the label, not leper, but the label felon. It's an ugly label that confirms the debased status that accompanies conviction. It identifies a person as belonging to a class outside many protections of the law, someone who can be freely discriminated against, someone who exists at the margins of society. In short, a felon is a legal outlaw and a social outcast. But the word felon does more work than that. It arouses fear and loathing in most of us. I confess that it arouses those visceral feelings in me. I do not want to live or work around felons. I do not want to socialize with them. This is a woman who actually uh, works in the social justice system now. The word felon conjures up images of large, scary people, men, of course, whose goal in life is to steal my things and hurt me. The staple uh, weekend fair on MSNBC. Affixing an X changes nothing. Felons deserve a wide berth and whatever opprobrium they get. So, and I know many uh, people that are convicted felons and how hard it is, even if they have repented, even if they have regretted, changed their life, turned to Christ, uh, still socially, there's a stigma. I sat across from a guy who was a convicted, convicted sex offender. He had been abused growing up and had done what he learned and, and tremendously repentant I'd learned he was in jail. I, I, did, you know, I didn't know at that time. You never ask for what. Like when you meet someone, they say they've been in prison or in jail. Don't say, well, for what? It's like one of those things you just don't ask, right? So for years, I knew this guy. And I was getting to know him, and he had never shared with me. We went out to lunch one day, and he'd been involved. I'd been ministering to him a little bit. He was baptized as a Christian. Uh, felt horrible for what he I still don't know exactly what he'd done. But that label, convicted sex offender, I'm not, I'm not excusing what these things that have happened, okay? Trust me, I'm not excusing the things that have happened because those things do damage. But what I'm saying is even though repentance can happen, the social stigma can still, is still there. You have to announce where you live and announce where you are, and it affects things socially. Uh, again, the difference, our leper here didn't do anything on his own to produce this. Uh, he, he acquired it. But I remember sitting across from this guy at lunch, and he was finally ready to confess this to me and he's watching my eyes because he wanted to see where if I would look away when he told me I'm a convicted sex offender he's looking to see what would I balk at that would I run from him and uh and I didn't I didn't and thankfully because I represent Christ to him 
And I, I don't represent that what you did was okay. But I represent that if you come to Jesus, kneeling down to him, falling on your knees before him, and saying to him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. No one in this world wants me. No one in this world will touch me or have anything to do with me. But I know that you, Jesus, will. And so he falls down and says, if you're willing, imagine feeling that way. I mean, we take Christ's grace for, for granted. He, no one else will touch him. No one else wants him. But he says to Christ, if you're willing, if you will it to be so, look at the faith in this guy. Where else is he going to go, right? He's got an incurable disease. Where else is he going to go? And he says, Jesus, I know, if you're willing. See the humility in that? If you're willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus, Mark is the only one that gives us the inner motivation. He says, then Jesus moved with compassion. That was the initial, his initial response to this guy. He was moved with compassion. A lot of us have compassion that doesn't ever move us. That's my worry about American culture. We watch the news, we see things happening around the world, and we go, man, that stinks. What's for dinner? And so little, what, what does it take to move you? To actually where you do something, where you have the power. That's what it means to have compassion. It's not... Pity is where you go, oh, you poor thing, and then you don't do anything. But mercy and compassion are where you have the ability to, and you see someone in need, and you're moved by that to actually do something to make their condition better. That takes risk. That takes effort. But Jesus was moved with compassion, had the power to do so. This guy knew it. How did he know? I don't know. He's heard the stories about Jesus, but he takes a chance he comes to Jesus. He's got nowhere else to go. He falls on his knees. Jesus, seeing him, is moved with compassion. And look at this. You can't understand the implication for a guy who's walked around for how many years avoiding people and having people avoid him like the plague. Jesus stretches out his hand and does what? Touches him. When is the last time he's been touched? Do you know how powerful touch is? A hug a touch and this guy has been devoid of touch for so long and Jesus touches him and says I am willing be cleansed and so it's like all that is happening at once the first thing Jesus he's moved with compassion to do something he sees this guy's awful state just like he saw my pitiful state and he touches him now that would have ceremonially made Jesus unclean except for the problem is that now the guy's no longer a leper he touches him and as he touches him all this happening at one time uh he says i'm willing be cleansed oh man can you imagine the the what, what's a life-changing experience i mean now he's cleansed now he's got to figure out how to live all over again in a whole new situation but instead of jesus becoming unclean the leper is cleansed And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So whatever it was, was he missing body parts? Was he missing fingers? Was he missing toes? Was, were his hands constricted? Leprosy does those kind of things. Was he blinded? Uh, we don't know the details, but Luke makes the same. Luke's a doctor. And Luke sees this and, and tells the story. And he's like, as soon as he touched him, immediately the leprosy left him. Like a, like a bad habit. You know, like an unwanted garment, the leprosy 
was gone. And I can imagine the guy just looking at himself like, I, I can't even, it probably took some time even to comprehend that it had happened. The leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And, he, and now this is interesting. And Jesus strictly warned him and sent him away, kicked him out, literally, tossed him out and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. Now it's funny that, that this is the, what Jesus tells him. It doesn't seem like what he would say, does it? It doesn't seem normal. Um, it could be for a couple of reasons. Number one, we're going to see he's got to first go to the priests and go through the whole ritual to be pronounced clean. That's also interesting. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but it, it's part of what's happening is here is Jesus is going to get, I mean, he, he's got a message. What's important that Jesus brings, he came to be a light to the world. He came to bear witness to the truth. And when people start to get word of these healings, they're thronging him, not to hear what he has to say, but to get their healing, to get physically healed. Now, which is more important in your life, to be physically healed or to be spiritually healed? Physically healed people still go to hell. And the physical things are, you remember when John the Baptist was in prison? And, and, uh, and John, there's John in prison, and Jesus is ministering, and, and, and John sends two of his disciples to Jesus, said, hey, uh, John wants to know, are you the one, or should we wait for another? Is there another one coming? And Jesus says to, the, to John's disciples, says, go tell John that the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed. The dead, the, the dead are raised. Tell them all, the lepers are cleansed. All of these things validate Jesus' identity. Hey, the, I, I am here. The, the Savior is here. Not only his identity, but his message. The message, when Jesus goes into a house, and he's, he preaches. We'll see that next week. It's the message, the signs, the healings only support the message that he's bringing. So he says, go to your, he strictly warned him and said, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now the big question here is, who's them, right? Is this a testimony to other people to validate that he's truly been cleansed, he's no longer a leper? Or is it, is them the priests and the rabbis as a testimony to them? Because there is no evidence that any lepers have ever been healed. This is the first time we see this. So in Leviticus chapter 14, there's a whole chapter about what to do when a leper's cleansed. And it's possible that the priest now, the leper goes and goes, hey, you guys remember me? Look, check out my skin. Look at my nose. Right, it's back, you know. And they're like, we don't know what to do. Like, we've never had to do this before. So someone, someone get the Bible. We've got to read this again. We don't, we've never had to do this ceremony before. This has never happened. And the ceremony is really cool in and of itself. You want to hear about it? No? Yeah. So the ceremony for, you can read this Leviticus 14. I had you mark it. You can go and, and don't go there now, but I'll just summarize it for you. It's a whole chapter long. Remember, there was no treatment. There was only a diagnostic and then there was, here's a ritual when, when you find a leper that's cleansed, who's healed. And you take two birds, right? And, and you take the, a, the one bird and you kill that bird over, living wa- over running water in an earthen vessel with the, so it collects the blood. And, in that, and, and you, then you take the second bird, you've got two birds, one you kill over 
uh, running water, and you, and you collect the blood in this earthen vessel. And then the second bird, you dip with cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet in the blood. And then you take that second bird who's been dipped in the blood and you let him go free. And so, I mean, the pictures of Christ in that. Christ, it, the, the spiritual being in, the earthen, in an earthen body, crucified, his blood shed so that it could, so our lives could be cleansed and, and we could be set free, that, like that second bird. And then he has to shave his body, wash himself, wash his clothes, shave off all of his hair. Ultimately, he shaves off his hair, even his eyebrows. Now, if you've ever, you know, you've had a baby, you see a baby comes out and, you know, a lot of them are just no hair, you know. Some kids are born with a lot of hair, uh, not me. But it's almost like being born again, right? You shave off all your hair. That hair takes a while to grow, but when you shave it off, everything starts over again. You've got to start growing that all. So everything that now is growing from your life is all brand new. So all these are pictures. I think that that picture of that leper being healed is a picture of the new birth. Now, so his, he got to go to, the, go to Moses or go to um, the priest, show yourself, and then go through this ritual uh, to testify to them. Could it, it could be either one, to both. He's now officially declared uh, clean as he goes through this, this uh, as he is to go through this ceremony. Now, put yourself in his shoes for a minute, in his sandals. How does your life change then? Can he go back? Remember, if he was part of a leper colony with all the bunch of other people with leprosy, does he go back to them and say, hey, look what I did for myself. You know, I got my act together and I, I, I worked on it and I've cleansed my leprosy. Could he say that? Now, if you guys were as faithful as me, you'd, clean, you'd cleanse your leprosy too, like I did. Would he say that? He would, what would he go back saying? You guys, Jesus can heal you. He wouldn't, it wouldn't have anything to do with what he had done. have everything to do with what Jesus had did for him. He t- mentioned him telling the story. Now, could he leave there and say, you know what, I don't really feel cleansed. I don't really feel like I'm new. So I'm going to go back with my old friends, my old leper buddies, because I know I'm familiar with them. I'm comfortable with them. We have a relationship. So I'm going to go back and hang out with my old friends. He can't, because now he's clean. They're unclean. And he can't heal them. When 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 you're baptized, when you're saved, it changes everything about your life. It changes your friendships. changes your social groups. Or it should. It should. That doesn't mean... You, know, you never talk to them anymore, but you, you, know where to, you know where to direct them for help. And a lot of people, you know, they, well, I don't know if I feel cleansed. It doesn't matter if you feel cleansed. You're clean. You're clean. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from your leprosy, from all unrighteousness. Do you believe it or not? Because you can't see it. With the leper, it's like there, you know, you could see it. The problem for us is we can't always see that spiritual cleansing. We believe it by faith that I've been given a new life, a new start, and I embrace that. And I don't go back to the old places. I don't go back to the unclean things. I now start a new life where I do things that are clean, things that are godly. I walk with him. Do I mess up? Absolutely. But his whole life is new now. He can do things he's never done before. He can boldly walk up to someone and talk to them and shake their hand. And, and he's got to learn all over again. I've met people. 
coming out of drug addiction life, coming out of this life, coming out of that life. And they get saved, and they've got to figure out how to live all over again. Because their whole life was identified by this various labels. I'm a sex offender, or I'm a this, or I'm a that. I'm an alcoholic. I'm obese. I'm this. I'm that. The whole life is defined by those things. I, I got a whole list of them, you know, that I wrote out just thinking about labels and things that, that people take on themselves and live with. And, and I think the point that we need to remember from this is this guy is untouchable. This guy is untouchable. And, he is a, and there are so, you know, you may be here and inside you are very, very lonely and very ashamed and very ostracized because people, your family's rejected you. I don't know who's rejected you, but I can't tell you. We sit in this room, we put on our happy face, we sing the songs, we read the Bible, but inside some of you are dying. And I know because I've talked to you. You put up a good front. And I want to tell you that there is no substitute for coming to Jesus himself. That's my, my salvation experience. Uh, I was unclean. I won't go into details, but I was unclean. Uh, you looked at me and said, good person. But I knew, and that's where Jesus got me, unclean. And I fell on my face that day, and I said, I need a new start. And the only place I know that I can have hope for, and I didn't even know, any, I'd never read the Bible. But instinctively, I knew Jesus could give me a fresh start, and I've been walking with him ever since. And so can you. It says, go and show yourself to the priest the, uh, the things which, until so you can offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, verse 45, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside of deserted places and they came to him from every direction. So this guy can't keep his mouth shut. Jesus tells him, keep your mouth shut and he can't keep his mouth shut. Jesus tells us, go and tell the whole world, and we don't tell anybody. Isn't it crazy? This guy, I mean, I'm telling you, you don't have to take evangelism classes. Did this guy have to? Now, maybe Jesus said, don't tell anybody, because you haven't been trained yet in evangelism. You have to read the, the books. You have to get the, the, the way the master CDs and DVDs set, because you're just really unqualified to share your, to share your healing story uh, until you've taken these classes. You show me a person that has known their sinfulness, that has come to Jesus humbly repentant, and has, and has began to follow him, and has found a changed life, and you can't shut them up about what the Lord has done in their life. The, the problem is most people want to just add Jesus to their already good life, and that doesn't do it. That doesn't do it. You, you, are, you are a movie evangelist. You're a book evangelist. You're an event evangelist. Trust me. I've seen, you know, oh, you got, you, you got to see this movie. I saw this movie. It's a great movie. You got to see it. Oh, I read this book. You got to read this book. It's a great book. And you'll tell people about this recipe. I got this great recipe. You got to try this recipe. It's a great recipe. And we get excited about telling people about all this kind of stuff that we're into. But when it comes to Jesus, we just, we just can't do it. But this guy had no trouble. He didn't take any classes. He didn't have to go through any training courses. I mean, this guy knew Jesus changed his life. He, he didn't have a life. He didn't have hope. He was a walking dead man. And Jesus changed his life. And you can't argue with that. That's the wonderful thing I love about a testimony is we can argue doctrine all day long. We can argue about the, the baptism of the Spirit. We can argue about once saved, always saved. We can argue about all that stuff if you want to. But ultimately, no one can argue with a testimony. Here's what I, I was a leper. 
Jesus cleansed me, and now I'm alive. Now I have hope. So the, pro- but the problem with him telling it freely was that now people, his fame is spreading, and people are, so many people are coming to him that he, had to, he, he couldn't even move around freely. He was just being thronged from every direction, and, and people were coming to him from all over the place. So um, I, I would suggest that you go back and, and read. I, I, we didn't really refer to it other than just a couple of times, but Leviticus 13, 14, interesting chapters. And interesting to me that God would put a chapter in the Bible for an event that wouldn't happen for thousands of years. So that that, that whole chapter is so that this guy could go to the priest after Jesus healed him and, and have that ritual done. And the priests would be, would be blown away. This has never happened before. Something is going on. Would they accept it or would they reject it? Because they know who Jesus is. Would they accept it or would they reject it? So I'm going to invite you guys to stand. I'm going to pray and invite the praise team up. Lord, thank you for this account of this man whose life was radically changed from isolated to social, from quarantine to restored, restored maybe to his family, Lord, and, and can't even imagine the social, spiritual implications of his life. And I thank you that it serves as an example for us, for, he, for people in here. Lord, you know my desire, our desire, is to just see people healed. That's why we do what we do in your name, Lord. Because we know, Lord, we aren't the source of healing, physical healing, medical healing, spiritual healing. And I pray if there's any, any modern-day lepers that are here this morning, that this passage would speak to them. Those that are steeped in sin, those that are labeled, that they would find in the body of Christ a city of refuge, not refuge for their sin, but a refuge from all of the social implications, Lord, that you've told us to to love one another as you've loved us. And I pray, Lord, that we would love those that you have loved We would touch those you have touched in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. So while we sing the...